Father, we pray that as we look at your word today, that you would lay our hearts open to it and that we would be changed. Uh, We want to learn, but we want to grow more. And so, Father, as we look at this ancient text of these things from this man, Jeremiah, your prophet, and the words that you had for your people, Father, would they work in our hearts today that, that worship would well up in our hearts. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So welcome back, or welcome if you're here the first time. Uh, we're, uh, we've turned the corner in our uh, Jeremiah study. This is week five of six. Uh, you can find the uh, previous recordings at the webpage, I think in the app as well if you'd like. And I think the handouts, uh, previous handouts are there as well. That crazy little chart at the top of the front uh, gives you an indication sort of of the big structure of this uh, book from Jeremiah. Uh, everything was pointing in it to the very center, chapters 30 to 33 of the restoration of, of Judah and, and Israel that we looked at last week, and now we're on our way out. Uh, and uh, so today, the big arc, I'll give you just the big picture of what we've got here uh, today in these 12 chapters that we'll cover, uh, they all center around uh, chronologically the fall of Jerusalem. So chapters 34 to 38, uh, we will see uh, the increasing disobedience of Judah. We'll see hostility during the reigns of Jehoiakim and Zedekiah before the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, chapters 39 to 41, uh, in rapid succession, we will see uh, things go from, from one leader to another, from Zedekiah to Gedaliah to Ishmael to Johanan, and uh, how it was a dangerous time to be leading Israel because your days were short uh, in and around those, those days. And then in chapters 42 to 45, we will see um, the hearts of people unveiled or revealed as it related to going back to Egypt. And so the the big idea, as you see in the title of this and in the title of the sections, is how hearts are revealed um, by the circumstances that the Lord brings. So if you haven't already turned to Jeremiah 34, please do that. Uh, we're going to begin there. And in, and in this first section, we're, as, as you've seen before, as I've told you already, uh, this is not laid out chronologically at all for us. So we, we're going to bounce back and forth between the days right before Jerusalem's fall, the reign of Zedekiah, to about a dozen years earlier to the reign of Jehoiakim. Uh, and uh, what we're going to see are hearts revealed. And the first thing in chapter 34 are profane hearts. And um, so we're not going to read, as, as you might expect, we're not going to read all 12 chapters here in the next 45 minutes, uh, but we are going to get some little snippets. So let me give you the backdrop here. Uh, after, uh, in, in early in chapter 34, Jeremiah came and he's speaking to Zedekiah, reminding him again what's going to happen in the first few verses. And then in verses 10 and 11, what you see, let me just read those They, that is, the people of Israel, obeyed all the officials and all the people who had entered into the covenant that everyone 
would set free his slave, male or female, so that they would not be enslaved again. And they obeyed and they set them free. So this was, they understand, the city is about to fall. And who needs a slave? Now, the best thing to do is just set them free so that, so that they, can, they can be on their own. And, and it also lines up with the covenant uh, and, and the, the way that slavery or indentured servitude worked in uh, Israel all along. It was not a lifelong thing unless it was at the choice of that that slave, there was, they were released after seven years. But then look at verse 11. But afterward, they, that is the officials, they turned around and took back the male and female slaves that they had set free and brought them into subjection as slaves. So they released them and then they changed their mind and they took these slaves again. So why does this matter? And, and what is it that God is after as he speaks to the people of Israel? Look at verse 16. Sorry, let me go to 15. You, this is Jeremiah speaking on behalf of the Lord. You recently repented, and you did what was right in my eyes by proclaiming liberty each to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house that is called by my name, but... Then you turned around and profaned my name. So this is the very center of the sin of the people. Uh, it's not that God does not care for slaves, uh, but he cares first and foremost for his name and his covenant. And by what these people had done to re-enslave their slaves was first and foremost a sin against the name of the God of the covenant. Uh, verse 16, they, you profaned my name when each of you took back his male and female slaves whom you had set free according to their desire and you brought them into subjection to be your slaves. Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim to you Liberty to the sword, to pestilence, and to famine, declares the Lord. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. These are just, just shocking, astounding words of judgment uh, from Yahweh uh, to those who had uh, profaned his holy name even as they mistreated their fellow Jew. Going on in verse 18... And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. Where have you heard that before? That should remind you of something else from the old covenant. Abraham and... Right, it's, it's, this is the covenant that, that the Lord made with Abraham, Genesis 15, where where these animals were, were cut in half and there were birds set on either side and, and uh, the Lord passed through as a, a fire pot and a smoking something, I forget the exact details. But, but God said, if I don't keep my covenant, let me be as these animals. Let me be torn asunder. Uh, that's, that's why uh, it's often referred to as cutting a covenant because they, they would take an animal and cut it and then the parties of the covenant would pass through promising 
that, that we're going to keep this covenant, and if we don't, let me be as the two parts of this heifer or this, this goat that, that I'm passing between. And this is exactly what the Lord now is, is calling uh, down upon the officials who had taken back the freedom of their brothers. All right, we're moving on. In contrast, chapter 35, obedient hearts uh, from, from the strangest of places, the Rechabites. Anybody know what a Rechabite is? I didn't. <laughs> Rechabites, uh, well, they're descendants of Rechab, and they're, they're uh, essentially Midianites, um, and, and Midian uh, was a descendant of Abraham, but not of Sarah. Midian was born of the union of Abraham and Keturah, his, his uh, wife that he had late in life. So they were cousins of all of the tribes of Israel, but they were not Israelites. And Midian, you may remember in Judges, well, they were a thorn in the side of Israel in the days of Gideon. Uh, Midian had a hand in, in drawing Israel away from the covenant God in Numbers uh, 25 in Baal Peor. Um, you can look those things up. But here we have um, instruction, verse 2. Uh, God says to Jeremiah, Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. What a curious thing. And so, so Jeremiah does this. This is what faithful people do. If we heard the word of the Lord, if we saw something very specific in his word, faithful people do that. This is what Jeremiah did. And he put before them saucers and bowls and cups of, of wine and, and offered them to drink. And they refused because, um, looking for his name, Jonadab, verse 6, you'll see him there. We will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. So this is a command given to the Rechabites 250 years ago. And these group of faithful people uh, just continue to not do this. Um, and uh, Yahweh then, through Jeremiah, chastises Judah and Jerusalem for her unwillingness to receive instruction to his word. So look at verses 16 and 17. This is Jeremiah speaking to Israel. The sons of Jonadab, the sons of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them. But this people, that is you, Israel, has not obeyed me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them and they have not listened. I have called to them and they have not answered. Okay, there's a, a promise then as well at the end of the chapter uh, verse 19 therefore because of what because of the faithfulness of the Rechabites therefore thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel Jonadab the son of Rechab shall never lack a man to stand before me 
And uh, we'll, we'll circle back to that in just a little bit, but just keep that in your mind. Uh, raise your hand and remind me if I don't come back to that. But, uh, but So we have the contrast between the profane hearts of the Israelite officials who took back the promise of, of letting go of their slaves. Now the, the strange faithfulness of these Rechabites who we've just never heard of, that they're just continuing to be faithful to their ancestral father. Um, now, chapter 36. We have a defiant heart uh, that we are, we are given uh, in uh, Jehoiakim. Verse 3, we'll, we'll, we'll set this. Well, let me start in verse 2. Take a scroll, the words from the Lord to Jeremiah. Take a scroll, write on it all the words that I've spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you. We assume that means the first day I spoke to you. Uh, from the days of Josiah until today. So, so what we're really talking about is, is <laughs> the Lord is saying, hey, would you go ahead and write Jeremiah 1 through 25 and 46 to 51? Would you just go ahead and dictate that? Uh, those things I've talked to you uh, over the past 25 years or so, would you just go ahead and, and dictate that? And uh, what, a, what a sweet providence of the Lord that we have this. Because I don't know how many of us would, would do well trying to dictate um, things that, over the past 25 years. Um, okay, so verse 3 gives us the purpose. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intended to do to them, so that every one of them may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Even in this day, after, after decades and decades and decades of unfaithfulness and, and hard-heartedness, God continues to put forth his word, hoping that people will turn, that hearts will soften, that people will repent. Um, okay, uh, because for, it tells us in verse 5, Jeremiah was prohibited from going to the house of the Lord. That could have been any number of times when he's gone there and he's prophesied and, and those in charge of the house of the Lord would say, don't come back. And, and, and those who are keepers of the gates, don't let him back in. Um, then Baruch, his, um, the guy who takes the dictation, lost the word. Scribe, Scribe thank you. Sheesh. <laughs> takes the scroll. And off he goes uh, into the temple. And this kicks off a fascinating uh, series of events uh, for us. Um, he, he in, uh, he's reading verse 10 in, in the hearing of all the people, this scroll, uh, verse 11 to 13. Um, somebody who's, who's a uh, page, we'll say a page to a, a, a senator or somebody in the presidential cabinet, hears this goes to the presidential cabinet and says, you should hear what Baruch is doing down in the temple, what he's saying. Um, a messenger then in verses 14 to 15 was sent to summon Baruch to come and read to the officials, to the presidential or the, the royal cabinet. Verses 16 to 19, uh, fear grips these officials after they hear uh, what happens, they say in verse 16, we must report all these words to the king. Uh, and then they know that it's going to go badly, verse 19. So they say to Baruch, 
Go and hide, you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. Uh, verse 20, a report is made to the king, and that brings us to this defiant heart. Because here's Jehoiakim, and what's he going to do as he's hearing the word of the Lord read to him? Verse 21, then the king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Jehudai read it to the king and to all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Jehudai read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. This is how the word of the Lord is received by Jehoiakim and his defiant heart is revealed. So, um, very short information on scrolls when you see in in uh, Shrek, somebody holding a scroll and reading it this way. That's not right. They, the scrolls are this way. And they're side to side. And they unroll them and they're, they're groups of, of pieces of leather that are stitched together. And the, in uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found an entire scroll of, of Isaiah, which was about 25 feet long. Uh, so about the, about the, the width of, of one half of, of this room all stretched out. And so you imagine Jehoiakim. And so they, they write these in, in columns... Uh, and then they just keep unrolling to get to the next part, the next part. And Jehoiakim is just, just systematically slicing off parts and, and throwing the papyrus into the fire. This is, uh, it's just horrific, his disregard for the word of, of God. Um, verse 24 then is, gets even worse. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Absolutely hard-hearted and un unwilling to, to let the word of God penetrate their hearts in the least. Um, there are some contrasts here that, that you have to dig a little bit to find, and I'll let you go do that work as you desire. But a few generations earlier, back in 2 Kings 22, do you remember Josiah and what they found? What did they find? They found a scroll, the book of the law, and, and their response was to, to humble themselves, to, to tear their garments. Once they read the scroll and they realized how unfaithful the nation had been, Here's the thing. If you go and you compare the names of people from 2 Kings 22 with Josiah and the people involved in this little episode here in uh, Jeremiah 36, we're, we're talking about the sons and grandsons of the very same people who were involved with Josiah. That's, that's really chilling to think about just in a generation or two, the, the, the vast contrast in terms of the response to the Word of God. Um, yeah. Okay. At the end of 36, though, uh, look at, at uh, verse 32. <laughs> then, then Jeremiah took another scroll 
gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And many similar words were added to them. So they just did it all again. Uh, uh, another scroll, find Jehoiakim. Yeah, uh, the Lord's word will stand and it will be there as the Lord wants it. All right, 37 and 38, we're going to get together here. Um, now we're back to Zedekiah, so we're very close to the fall of Jerusalem. Look at verses 2 and 3 with me of Jeremiah 37. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchel, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the priest, the son of Messiah, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray for us to the Lord our God. So it's a curious thing that we see this uh, happening, that there seems to be some, at least, remorse on the part of, of Zedekiah. But uh, what, what we do see happen... is that Jeremiah comes and, and affirms again the certainty of the judgment against Judah. Look at verse 9. Thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go away. For even if you should defeat the whole army of Chaldeans who are fighting against you, and there remained of them only wounded men, every man in his tent they would rise up and burn this city with fire. So again, the certainty of judgment is, is placed before uh, the, the, the king and his people. So what's happening now is the Chaldean army, the Babylonians, have withdrawn for a short time uh, to go and, and attack Egypt because Egypt is now coming up from the south. This gives Jeremiah the opportunity to go see his field that he just bought. If you were here last week, we, we talked about Jeremiah going and buying a field. So he decides to go out. Um, verse 12, he's heading out. And in verse 13, look at that. When he was at the Benjamin gate, a sentry, that, sentry there named Arijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah, seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are deserting to the Chaldeans. So he is uh, arrested as a deserter. Uh, you may recognize that name Hananiah. This Arijah is the grandson of this, the false prophet Hananiah back from chapter 28 a couple weeks ago. Um, he may have an axe to grind against Jeremiah as well. But uh, Jeremiah is handed over to the officials and he is imprisoned, verse 16, in a dungeon, in a house that evidently had been converted into a prison, you see at the end of, of verse 15. So it's, it's quite possible that uh, where, where Jeremiah finds himself right now is a cistern that's been convert, converted into a dungeon. Uh, we don't have those, those words, but... but uh, but that is where he's at now. He's in prison. Um, verses 17 to 21 
Um, he is called by Zedekiah for a secret interview and then transferred to the court of the guard, which brings us to chapter 38. And he is, in verses 1 to 13, uh, cast into a cistern. You'll see this, verse 6. Well, verse 4, we'll start there. Then the official said to the king, Let this man be put to death, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who were left in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. Verse 6, They cast him into a cistern, and there was no water in the cistern, uh, only mud, and he sank in the mud. Uh, that, that is intentionally reminding us of Jeremiah's initial call against Judah that they had turned away from the fountain of living waters and had just hewn out for themselves broken cisterns, cisterns that can't hold water. Uh, chapter 2, verse 13, and here, here Jeremiah has been tossed into one of those broken cisterns. We're, well, we're thankful that it was a broken cistern in this particular case, uh, that it wasn't full of water. Um, verses 14 and 15, King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet, received him at the third entrance of the temple of the Lord. The king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, you will not listen to me. So just recognize the situation that Jeremiah is in. Uh, he, he, has, he has preached to Judah and to Jerusalem for decades. And, and he says, if, if I speak truth to you, you'll kill me, and you won't even listen to me. But the faithfulness of Jeremiah through all of this is, is astounding. Okay, so some quick takeaways before we go on. Uh, first, uh, actions reveal the heart. Actions reveal the heart. Um, and, and I'll say often more deeply than we realize. We, we saw in chapter 34 that when the Israelites uh, turned around and reclaimed their slaves, God's first concern was not for the slaves but for the profaning of his name, though he, he cares for the downcast, the downtrodden, of course. And we see the contrast of the Rechabites' faithful obedience uh, to uh, a, a uh, command from 250 years ago. So their actions are revealing their faithfulness or their unfaithfulness. And I had told you at the end of, of 35 where there would, uh, the promise was given that there would always be a Rechabite uh, before the Lord. It turns out, we won't turn there, but jot down Nehemiah 3.14, and you will find a descendant of the Rechabites who is a district ruler in Jerusalem, and he's one of those many, many men who are listed as building, you know, from gate 17 to gate 18, or, you know, from this house to that house, rebuilding the walls side by side uh, with the Jews. So, yes, actions reveal the heart. The second and takeaway from this section is that the Lord's plans prevail. The Lord's plans prevail. Uh, so, uh, no king's knife or fire pot uh, or, uh, would stop Jeremiah's prophecies from being recorded. 
Um, and that no dungeon, no cistern would thwart the Lord's plans. Uh, and the same is true uh, for us today. Uh, Psalm 139.16 tells us that in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Right? So, so Jeremiah knew this uh, inherently, and we know it as well. And our work is to remember it and then to live according to it, that the truth prevails. Uh, the Lord's plans prevail. And if, if he has 10,000 more days for us, great. If he has four more days for us, great. We just live faithfully in each of those days that we're given. Okay. That was section one of three. We're going to move on. Second, second big section, that hearts are revealed amid Jerusalem's fall. Uh, this is a, a shorter section here, uh, chapters 39 to 41. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but in chapter 39, verse 1 through 40, verse 12, what we see is essentially the fall of the city and the movement uh, geographically of the headquarters of the remaining Jews to Mizpah. So verses 1 to 10 in 39, a breach is made into the city. Um, Zedekiah is captured as he's fleeing. He's taken away to Babylon. Uh, and only a few of the poorest remain. You see that listed in uh, verses 9 and 10. The rest of the chapter and through 40, verse 6, uh, are two special kindnesses given to Jeremiah. One in the city where... Uh, he, Nebuchadnezzar gave commands to his captain of his army, take care of Jeremiah. And so he was not taken away with the exiles to Babylon. He wasn't taken away with Zedekiah. And then elsewhere, we find that he was released from his chains when he was with the, uh, the rest of the exiles at Ramah. And the captain of the guard essentially said, listen, you go where you want. Your life is yours, and, and we're not going to lay hands on you. And he was, he was just released to be wherever he wanted. Chapter 40, verses 7 to 10, sorry, 7 to 12 then, what we see is that uh, Babylon had appointed Gedaliah, verse 7, to be the governor in the land. And they are <clears throat> in Mizpah, which is a little bit north of Jerusalem. And so that's... Sort of the location changed, the geography of this. Uh, the, neck, the rest of, of chapter 40 and in through 41 is the change in the leadership. The first part, the change in the location. Here, the change in the leadership from Gedaliah to Ishmael to Johanan. And you, we will see uh, in chapter 41, verses 1 and 2, uh, before this, before we... we get to this part, Johanan has come to Gedaliah and said, somebody's here to is on his way to kill you. This, guy, this guy's name's Ishmael. And Gedaliah said, yeah, don't, 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 don't worry about that. You're, I think you're lying. Chapter 41, verses 1 and 2. In the seventh month, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishema, of the royal family, one of the chief officers of the king, came with ten men to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam at Mizpah 
And as they ate bread together there at Mizpah, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and the ten men with him, rose up and struck down Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, with the sword and killed him. <clears throat> and if we would read the, the remaining part of this uh, chapter, we would see then that uh, Ishmael also killed all the other men, whether Babylonian or Jew, uh, with Gedaliah at that place. Uh, he killed 70 of 80 men who came the next day who were looking for Gedaliah. The treachery of this man Ishmael and his treacherous heart is revealed here. And then, in verses 11 through 18, uh, Johanan pursues Ishmael, who then flees. And so now we're left with this little band of remnant Jews with Johanan. They're near Bethlehem, and they don't know what they're going to do. So that's our suspense for the, the last part of this. Where will they go? What will they do? Uh, they know that um, they're going to be hunted by Nebuchadnezzar for killing the governor, uh, or at least not protecting the governor that, that Nebuchadnezzar had appointed. Where will they go? What will they do? But before we go on, <clears throat> uh, one takeaway here from this section is God's kindness in calamity. Even in the fall of Jerusalem, there is kindness in this calamity that Jeremiah is kept and protected, and we, uh, we passed over it, but verses... Uh, Sorry, I'm finding it. Seven. Verse 10. Uh, as for me, I will dwell at Mizpah to represent you before the Chaldeans who will come to us. But as for you, that is you remaining Jews, gather wine and summer fruits and oil and store them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that you have taken, which did happen. And so there is a kindness, even in the midst of all this calamity, that the Lord has given to the remaining Jews that they have food in abundance in the, in the midst of the fall of Jerusalem. All right, so that takes us to our last section, uh, which is chapters 42 to 45, which are hearts being revealed after Jerusalem's fall. And if you look at the first two sections, uh, the titles, you'll, you'll get the, the entire drift of what's happening, of what Jeremiah said and then what Johanan did. Um, so chapter 42, verses 1 to 6, Then all the commanders of the forces, and Johanan the son of Korea, and Jezaniah the son of Hoshea, and all the people, from the least to the greatest, came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, let our plea for mercy come before you and pray to the Lord your God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few as your eyes see us, that the Lord your God may show us the way we should go and the thing that we should do. Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I've heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your request. And whatever the Lord answers, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. Jeremiah goes away for 10 days, waiting. He's not presuming upon the Lord. He's just waiting. He hears from the Lord and comes back. And the summary of his statement is, don't go. 
to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Um, Verse 10, remain here and grow. Verse 11, don't fear Nebuchadnezzar. I am with you. And then in verses 15 to 20, the middle of 15 to 20, uh, hear this. If you set your faces to enter Egypt and go and live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt, and there you shall die. All the men who set their faces to go Egypt to Egypt to live there shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster that I will bring upon them. Couldn't be a clearer answer given. Don't go. Don't go. Um, and so, in, verse, in chapter 43, uh, the people respond. When Jeremiah finished speaking to all the people, all these words of the Lord their God, with which the Lord their God had sent him to them, Azariah the son of Hoshea, and Johanan the son of Korea, and all the insolent men of Jeremiah, uh, insolent men said to Jeremiah, You're telling a lie. The Lord our God did not send you to say, do not go to Egypt and live there. So, couldn't be clearer the response either here of the the defiant hard-heartedness of of these people. And so, um, Johanan gathered up everyone, including Jeremiah, and off they went to Egypt. And... Jeremiah in chapter, uh, continuing in chapter 43, reiterates uh, what he has already said, but I want you to see in verse 12, I shall kindle a fire in the temples of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive, and he shall clean the land of Egypt as a shepherd cleans his cloak of vermin. And she, he shall go away from there in peace. The he here is, is God, is the Lord. So this uh, is reminiscent of what we had seen in the very first week when we talked about judgment on Judah from uh, 2 Kings 21, that in the reign of Manasseh, um, something so horrible had taken place that the Lord's judgment would cause the ears of all who would hear it to tingle. And do you remember the picture that God gave? What was it? He's going to wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish. He's just going to wipe it clean. And the picture here now given is, for those of you who have gone to Egypt, God is going to shake out Egypt like you would shake bugs out of a cloak, just like that, and and gone. He's just going to wipe these people out for their wickedness, for their unwillingness to obey him. Okay. Okay. Chapter 44, uh, hard hearts are revealed even further. Verse 4 reminds us that Jeremiah has persistently, uh, well, God has persistently sent to you all the servants, the prophets. Uh, This is the tenth time that adverb has been used in Jeremiah, by the way. Persistently, for decades, for, for centuries, he has sent his people and his word. And the summation here 
is that you have seen what happened in Judah, and you are now warned that the same thing is going to happen to you in Egypt. You're not getting the point. You're missing the point. Verse 8 tells us that idolatry would already run rampant there. Verses 11 to 14 describe the judgment that is now passed on Egypt, uh, which is an echo of Jerusalem and Judah. And let me read uh, verses 15 to 17, which is just a stunning rejection from these people. Then all the men who knew that their wives had been made offerings to other gods and all the women who stood by a great assembly, all the people who lived in Pathros in the land of Egypt, answered Jeremiah, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will do everything that we have vowed. Make offerings to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings to her as we did, both we and our fathers, our kings and our officials in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then... We had plenty of food and prospered and saw no disaster. It is, a, it is just a, a stunning rejection of, of the Lord's word. Just, just so bold-faced, uh, unwilling to, to even consider that, that uh, truth had any bearing on their lives whatsoever. Uh, it's really heartbreaking. And that is <clears throat> really the the. the the main part of our takeaways in this section, uh, they are that truth remains and truth reveals, if you're uh, keeping score on your handout. Truth remains and truth reveals. Regardless of how we uh, interpret truth by our circumstances, uh, truth remains what it is. These people in Egypt had decided that because things were good and well with them when they were offering uh, Idol or offerings to the Queen of Heaven, and they were pouring out drink offerings to this false god, and everything was going okay for them, and that that would be okay in Egypt as well. That that was truth for them, but that absolutely is not. They they couldn't they couldn't even recognize that truth remains of God's word. Uh, their fatal flaw was their uh, defiant rejection of the truth of God's word and the. Jeremiah's closing words in chapter 44 were a promise uh, that this would come to pass, and in this case, for their harm. Look at verse 29. This shall be a sign to you, declares the Lord, that I will punish you in this place in order that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for harm. And then he goes on to say that, that the the Pharaoh himself would be taken captive uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. Um, So truth remains, regardless of of our circumstances. Um, And then truth reveals. At the end of chapter 41, uh, Johanan looks like a hero. He he had uh, warned Gedaliah of the assassin's plot, and then he chased down the assassin and chased them off, and he rescued... Uh, a small remnant of Jews. He looks like the, the good guy, right? Um, but faced with direct commands from Jeremiah to not go to Egypt, Johanan uh, refused 
to uh, believe or obey, revealing the truth coming to him revealed his, his impenitent heart. Um, and God's word continues to do this uh, to this day. Uh, Hebrews 4 tells us that uh, God's word is sharper, more precise than the surgeon's scalpel. Um, and it lays bare our, our thoughts, our heart, our motives. Um, turn with me as we uh, close things up in, into Luke uh, chapter 2. <coughs> Luke chapter 2. Because the same thing is true of our Lord Jesus. Verses 34 and 35 of Luke 2. Simeon, who, who, who met baby Jesus in the temple, blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child, child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So Jesus himself, even Simeon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaks to us about this Messiah who later told us that he is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's, it's as exclusive as you can make it. It's as clear as could be that there's no amount of righteousness that any of us uh, can bring. There's no other alternative truth that we can bring and, and declare our standing before God because the truth reveals the heart that is hard. And Jesus came to reveal our hearts and to show us if we're trusting in ourselves or we're trusting in him and him alone. And uh, we, we see just a, a little picture of this played out uh, through these characters in Jeremiah where hearts are revealed uh, whether they are obedient to the Lord or whether they are disobedient. I pray that uh, this would be a lesson for us that, that we would be reminded that, that we need to be trusting in the Lord in all things. And where our hearts are astray, uh, where we're sideways, we're trusting in something else, that we would ask the Lord to uh, cleanse us from that. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for these chapters from Jeremiah and how uh, circumstances and the bringing of your truth reveals hearts. It reveals hearts that are, that are obedient and love you and love your word and hearts that are defiant or profane, uh, impure, selfish. And Father, I pray that uh, uh, we would uh, take these truths and we would ask hard questions that your spirit would not let us rest until we have asked hard questions of ourselves. And have we trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ only or are we trusting in anything else? And that you would cleanse us, Father, that you would not give us rest until we have done so. We pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts, that we would make much of you in all things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.